Psalms chapter 29, and I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. David writing says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. Pray that you'd touch each heart here tonight, Lord, and pray that through the preaching of your word, Lord, we might learn and know more of you. And Father, we know that when we desire to know of you, that we can come to your word. And Lord, it is your mind and it is your nature and it is exposed and revealed unto us uh, through the preached word. And we just pray tonight, Lord, that we would sit at your feet and Father, that we'd learn of you. We love you and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. The 29th Psalm is all about conversation, in case you didn't pick up on that. The psalmist begins by talking about how we ought to talk to the Lord and uh, says that we ought to give unto the Lord glory. What does that mean, to give the Lord glory? It means uh, to uh, ascribe the good things in our life unto Him. Uh, The Lord doesn't want any false glory, amen, but He uh, is due all real glory. And the things that God has done in our life, we ought to be quick to tell folks about, amen. We ought to tell folks how good God's been to us. We ought to tell folks how bad it could have been had the Lord not intervened and how good things are, uh, and they wouldn't have been that way if God hadn't showed up. Uh, We ought to give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto His name, and then the psalmist says we ought to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. This isn't my message tonight, but let me just say this, that worship isn't beautiful unless it's holy. Amen? Carnal worship is not beautiful. Uh, the Lord doesn't uh, consider carnal worship to be beautiful. And you say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean worldly worship. I mean, if our worship, if what goes on in here uh, on Sunday looks the same as what's going on in the bars on Saturday, uh, God doesn't see that as being beautiful. Amen? Uh, we ought to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. And then, of course, when we come to the close of the psalm, it talks about how the Lord is in control of all, that He sitteth upon the flood. Aren't you glad to know that when the waters are over your head, they're still under His feet? Amen? Uh, he's still in control, and He sitteth king forever. There's never king uh, that's going to be able to dethrone the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we're told that He gives strength unto His people, and that He blesses His people with peace. But in between these thoughts, we find that the phrase, the voice of the Lord, is used seven different times. Now, when we talk about the voice of the Lord, I think most of us acknowledge that the Lord does not speak to us audibly today. I wouldn't say the Lord couldn't do that. Uh, But I would say this, that the book of Hebrews gives us a pretty good reason to believe uh, that He doesn't. That God, who at sundry times in divers' manner spake in times past uh, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. 
Now, we know what the Bible means when it talks about uh, the Word of God and the Son of God. They are synonymous in nature. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then later down in verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory uh, as of the only begotten Father, glory full of grace and truth, John says. And so, uh, when we're talking about the voice of God, we're not necessarily talking about the audible voice of God, uh, but we do recognize that God speaks to people in this day that we live in. And uh, before we even get into the preaching, I want to give you what I believe are the three primary ways that God speaks to His people. Now, again, you might say, Preacher, uh, can God not speak in a multitude of ways? Well, of course He can. Uh, and historically, He has at different times. But I believe in this church age, these are the three primary ways that God speaks to His people. I think the first way God speaks to His people is through His Word. Amen? This is the voice of God. Uh, God has spoken to us through His Word. As we said a moment ago, the Word of God and the Son of God are synonymous in nature. Uh, They are not synonymous in person, meaning that uh, there is a literal Son of God. Uh, He is the man Christ Jesus. He is the mediator between God and man. He is uh, God in the flesh. He's the uh, Son of God, and He's God the Son. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, This Bible that I hold in my hands, of course, this is not seated at the right hand of the Father. It's sitting on this pulpit right in front of me. So they are distinct from one another uh, in a sense, but they are uh, uniform in their message. Uh, In other words, uh, Jesus never said anything contrary to the Word of God, and the Word of God will never say anything contradictory to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the primary way that God speaks to His people. This is the voice of God. And then we recognize also that God speaks to His people through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a phenomenon. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, We call Him the third person of the Trinity, and that's not a pecking order, uh, but that is the uh, way that He's revealed to us in the Word of God. Uh, God the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Son or God the Father. But the Bible says that He indwells us. In fact, Christ said this, that He would never leave us, He would be in us. He also said this in John chapter 16, that He would guide us into all truth. So the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts. Uh, This is something that a lost person, uh, if I can be frank, just is never going to understand unless they get saved. Uh, It's not just a conscience. And I believe in conscience. The Bible teaches us about conscience. God has given to every person a conscience. Uh, It might be seared, amen, but God has given to every person a conscience. But the Spirit of God is something wholly separate and different from the conscience. The conscience sometimes will affirm things to you uh, without there being any sort of scriptural evidence. But the Spirit of God will always speak in tandem and in concert with the Word of God. Uh, Paul said that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God uh, indwells within us and He leads us and guides us. And then I would say this, there's a third way God deals and speaks with His people, and that's through His providence. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, sometimes God makes things known to us by how He unfolds our life before us. Uh, certainly many of us could look back, and I've said this before, and I was talking to someone the other day and made this statement once again, that I look back at the things God's done in my life, and I can see the hand of God in my life. I can see His hand in my life. And uh, I will confess to you that the providence of God is something we have to observe retrospectively. Uh, We have to look backwards. We can't look forwards into the future. We don't have a crystal ball, amen. No one's promised tomorrow. But certainly we can look at our lives and see God orchestrating things to uh, bring about His will. And so God speaks in these three distinct ways through the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the providence of God. 
But the psalmist gives us a, a sevenfold description of what the Word of God is capable of doing. Seven distinct statements. And I'll be honest, I'm not going to do a lot of preaching on them. I'm just going to walk through them and say a quick word about each of them. We'd be here all night if I did all the preaching I wanted to do on them. Amen. Uh, look with me at verse number 3, and I want you to notice the first thing that God says about His voice. Verse 3, the Bible says, "...the voice of the Lord is upon the waters." The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Now, what does the psalmist mean when he says this? I will confess to you there's a little bit of poetry in what he's saying here. And the way we get our scriptural answer is by looking at other places in the Word of God. And you'll find over and over and over again in the Word of God that water, when it's being spoken of as a body of water, is always reflective of a multitude of people. He might say, Preacher, what could that tell us about the voice of God? It tells us this, and I want to be careful with what I say here, so I want you to listen carefully. Number one, that God's voice is diverse. Now you say, Preacher, what do you mean? Well, I don't mean that God ever says anything that contradicts Himself. Uh, God's never contradicted Himself. The Bible says that, it's a, that God is immutable. It's impossible for God to lie. But what it does mean is this, that God has the capacity to speak in many situations, sometimes from unlikely sources, He is able to speak to us and to our lives. When we think about what it says here, He's upon the waters. And when it says that, it doesn't tell us what waters. So we might just assume, we've got to be careful doing that, but we might assume that it means every place where there's water. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that when we hear the ocean uh, in a seashell that God's speaking to us. But what it does mean is the same way that everywhere across the globe you can go and hear the sound of water in some place. You might be in the middle of a desert and you might have to travel for a while. But the sound of water is something that is known universally to the human experience. In the same way, God is not bound to only speak in one location or amongst one people group, but God is speaking to hearts tonight on Wall Ridge Road. God's speaking to hearts in India as we speak. He's speaking to hearts in China as we speak. He's speaking to hearts in, in Europe as we speak. He's upon many waters, and He can speak many places at one time. You say, preacher, what could that mean to me? It should mean this, two things. One, don't matter where you're at, God can speak to you. And two, it should remind us that God sometimes can speak from unlikely sources. When we read in the Word of God, God used some unusual people to deliver His Word. And while we could have a thousand different examples, I would just simply remind you what you was taught in Sunday school when a man by the name of Balaam uh, was faced down by his own donkey who turned around and rebuked him under the leading of God. That gives me hope, amen? If God can use a donkey, maybe He can use me. What it does mean is this. We ought to always be looking for God to be speaking. Everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, we ought to always be looking for God to be speaking. Now, sometimes he's, of course, speaking through his word. And any time the word of God is preached, let me tell you something. There's been times I've sat in sermons and I didn't want to listen because of some reason. It might have been the person uh, preaching. It might have been the church I was in. It might have been something that was said. I did not want to hear. But uh, despite my greatest efforts, God just kept talking until I would listen. I, I promise you this, that the, uh, the potency is in the message, not the messenger. And God can use some unlikely people and unlikely circumstances to speak to us. So we ought to always be looking for God and listening for God to be speaking to us. Look at verse number 4. Uh, the psalmist says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. Powerful. 
Now, I, I want to make both a scriptural uh, in, uh, interpretation and an example of this and, and a practical application as well. We can go all through Scripture and see that the voice of God is powerful. In fact, everything you see around you is a direct result of the power of the voice of God. Because when God created things, He spoke them into existence. And God had the power to uh, speak and calm the seas. God has the power to speak and raise the dead. There is nothing beyond the bounds of God's power when He speaks. And you know what that ought to do? That ought to encourage you and me that no matter what we're facing, God has a word for us that is powerful enough to meet our need. Now, that may seem abstract. You may be saying, Preacher, how's God's voice going to make my health problems go away? Or, Preacher, how's God's voice going to pay that bill that needs to be paid? Or, Preacher, how's God's voice uh, going to heal a relationship that is in turmoil right now? But I would say this, though, uh, God does not necessarily through miraculous means speak and, and bring about consequence the way He did when Christ walked this earth. He can speak the wisdom you need to navigate whatever situation you're going through. There's nothing you're facing but what God's voice is powerful enough. And if you're looking for a word to go with it, I I said this, that God's word is dynamic. It's powerful. God is able. There's nothing we're facing that the voice of God, and we might say this, consequently, the word of God is not powerful enough to face. You understand that literally empires have risen and fallen, and this word is still here. Emperors have tried to burn it out. They've tried to destroy it. They've tried to undermine it and discredit it. And yet, throughout history, uh, emperor after emperor has worn his hammer to a nub on the anvil of God's Word. God's Word is powerful. It's dynamic. Look what it says in the next phrase. It says, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And I just write this down, that God's voice is dignified. It's dignified. What do we mean when we say that? We mean this, that there is an awe-inspiring element to the Word of God when it is beheld, and to the voice of God when it is listened to. It is amazing to me how God can speak to my circumstances. Uh, As someone that spends a a, a considerable amount of time in the Word of God, uh, I'm always amazed, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm always amazed how that God is able to absolutely put His finger on exactly what I'm facing and going through. And if I'm being honest, sometimes I'm awestruck by the the beauty and power of the Word of God. It is a majestic thing. And when we speak of majesty, of course, we speak of the beauty and glory that accompanies royalty. And it is a a beauty and it is a a majesty and, and it is a dignity that cannot be approached unto by those of lesser station. And let me just say this, there's no book that can compare to this book right here. It's been said before, and I'll... Uh, just echo what other men have so wisely said, uh, that you'd, you'd be far better off if you'd spend your life... And, and, and you ought to read this book, and you ought to read uh, good, God-honoring, Christ-honoring things as well. But said that if you must choose, you'd be far better off uh, to spend your life studying this book to the neglect of others than to study others to the neglect of this book. Nothing can compare with this. And nothing can compare when the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts There is a majesty, there is an authority that comes along with it. I believe this, that we spend a lot of time wondering if God is speaking, when when God speaks, it will be made clear to us that He is speaking. And I understand the the desire to, to get an answer from God when we feel like we need one. And sometimes when we're trying to get that answer from God, we'll look in a lot of places and there's nothing wrong with that, but rest assured that God has the capacity to make His will known to you when the time comes for you to know it. 
And when it comes, it'll be majestic, it'll be dignified, it'll be a beautiful thing. And then look at verse 5. The psalmist says, The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. If you want to understand the picture that the psalmist is evoking here, imagine a forest in the midst of some sort of natural disaster. You've probably seen footage sometimes of a tornado tearing through uh, one of those uh, communities in Tornado Alley, picking up houses and just throwing them about like it's absolutely nothing. Uh, You may have seen uh, footage sometime of a tsunami when the wave comes crashing in and sweeps skyscrapers away uh, as though it's just a twig right there in the water. Just the absolute raw power that God's nature has is an amazing thing to behold. And the psalmist says, God's voice is just like that. And I, I put it down this way, God's voice is destructive. Now, here in a little while, we'll talk about what God's uh, voice can create. But uh, we need to be reminded that God's voice has the power to tear things down. Now, you might say, preacher, that don't encourage me. I want to be built up. Oh, yeah, you may want to be built up, but if you're like me, there's probably some things in your life that need to be torn down, too. Sometimes we build altars to self and to sin. Sometimes there are strongholds in our life. And sometimes our imaginations exalt themselves against Christ and they have to be brought under subjection to Him. And we need something that can cast down those high imaginations and strongholds. And the Word of God has the power to. The voice of God has the ability to take everything you thought made sense and render it void. As uh, Paul wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, God uses the simple things to bring to naught the things that are. God has uh, the creative power, but He has a destructive power. And that's encouraging because if you're like me, there's things you face in life that need to be gone from your life. And you're asking God to take away from your life. And uh, you think to yourself, it's just too big, it's too tough, it's too hard, I'm too weak, and I can't do it. And you may be too weak, and I'm too weak, but the voice of God is not too weak. And as that, as that triune application of God's mind is given to our lives, when the Word of God speaks and the Spirit of God uh, uh, takes it and ingrains it and grafts it into our life and the providence of God bears witness and testimony to the truth and validity of it, God has the power to break chains that no one else can break, and to cast off shackles that we find ourselves too weak to deal with. So God's voice is, is destructive. God's able to take things and fling them aside as though they're nothing, though they be great obstacles for you and I. Look at verse 7. The psalmist says this. Boy, I like this. I like it all, amen, but, but I really like this. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. Now, that may not mean much to you until you find yourself passing through the flames of fire. We cannot help. We cannot help but at this moment stop and remind ourselves of the three Hebrew men that found themselves in Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. In a place, I mean, they were in the hot seat. It had never been that hot before. (laughs) The Bible says that they stoked that furnace seven times more than it was wont to be heated. That means wherever the, the limit was, they went seven times beyond that. The Bible says that whenever they cast them in, it was so hot that even the men that bound them and cast them in died because of the flame. Nebuchadnezzar, he steps back, he he snaps his suspenders, he feels real good about himself, and then somebody says something. You ever had a moment like that? You was feeling real good about yourself until somebody said something? 
And somebody turns and says, what is that in there? And Nebuchadnezzar turns and he rubs his eyes. And he says, hey, listen, we put three men in there. But I see four men walking through those flames. And he says, the fourth is not like the perversions say. The, the perversions say he's like a son of God. But that's not what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, the fourth is like unto the son of God. He said, that's, <laughs> I know who that is in there. I know who that is. That's the angel of the Lord. That's God in the flesh. And he's walking in the midst of those men. The Bible says that whenever they uh, shut that furnace down and pulled them out, that nothing had burned except the ropes that bound them. And that there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. Hey, listen, uh, you, you come away from a barbecue in worse shape than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came away from the fiery furnace. What happened in there? I'll tell you what happened. The Son of God, the voice of God, was walking amongst them and separating those flames like the Red Sea so that they couldn't even come near enough to get the smoke smell on them. Now, man, that's encouraging because sometimes we pass through flood and flame. And it's good to know that, hey, God, He can separate the flood and He can separate the flame. And there's nothing that we face but what the Word of God and the voice of God is able to give us comfort and to cause a situation that seems as though it's spiraling out of control to seem as though it is as calm as an evening on a summer warm day. God's able to take situations that we don't know if we can face and make them, listen, not just tolerable but pleasant. I don't know what it was like walking through that fire. That's one of the things. You know, I don't know if you're like me. i got a list of stuff I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. Uh, and I'll probably have to get in line with this one because I bet a lot of people are going to be asking what it was like in that furnace when they tracked down Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I would imagine this, that it was a pleasant experience once Christ showed up. I imagine it was sort of like when God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. It was just a time of sweet fellowship. And there have been times in my life when the flame should have devoured. But when God showed up and spoke peace to my situation, all of a sudden it became a situation of sweet communion and fellowship. And people look at you sometimes think you're crazy because you got peace in the midst of that. But when God's there and when He's speaking, be it through His Word or be it through His Spirit, He's able to give us peace. I'd remind you of the times when the Lord appeared before the disciples after He was resurrected. And these men, I mean, listen, I, I know we think of them as heroes, and in many ways they did things for God that I'll probably never come close to doing. But if you could have seen that group of people gathered in that room, uh, locked themselves in, afraid that Roman soldiers were going to bust in at any moment, looking at each other, trying to figure out what went wrong, because now their Lord was dead. And Jesus walks into the midst of that situation, and the first thing He says to them is, Peace be unto you. And all of a sudden things change. A few days later, they're out on the sea and the storm is raging. And Jesus comes and says, Children, have you any meat? And they say no. And He tells them where they need to cast their nets. And all of a sudden, Christ changes their circumstance and situation. You say, Preacher, what are you getting at? I'm saying it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you'll listen for the voice of God, when He speaks, He can give you peace. And He can divide the flames of fire. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness... The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. I spend a little time thinking about this one. Usually any time I'm preparing a sermon, there's one or two things that me and the Lord have to talk a lot about before He can get it through my thick skull. And as I was thinking about this phrase, the wilderness of Kadesh is another name for the wilderness that the children of Israel went through when they left Egypt headed towards Canaan. 
And I began to think about when the Lord shook the wilderness when they were passing through it. And uh, you can think of a few different occasions, but the one I believe the psalmist is probably speaking about was at Sinai. The Bible says that the Lord sat down on that mountain, said that fire and lightning were emanating from it. And the Bible says that the, the mountain shook when God sat down upon it. What was God doing there? God was uh, declaring His Word, His will to the people of Israel. Six hundred and some odd commandments later, they had the Old Testament law. Listen, there's a lot of things we could say about what happened at Sinai, but I just want to mention this truth that the voice of God is a disclosing thing. God communicates His mind and will when He speaks to us. So in other words, when God speaks to us, it is not solely just an experience, although I promise you when God speaks, it is something to experience. But it is not solely that. God communicates to us when He speaks to us through His Word, through His Spirit, through providence. He details and relays to us His mind and will. So as we seek to understand something about God, what do we need to do? We need to listen for the Word, for the Spirit of God. That's how we learn about God. There's a lot of people that know of God, but they don't know God. And I even mean, and let me be careful with how I say this, I even mean saved people. Now, they know, they know of Him and they know Him as their Savior, but they don't have an intimate walk and fellowship with Him. And I believe the way that we can come to know God in a better and deeper way is through listening for His voice. Listen, God, is, God must be revealed. Let me say that again carefully. God must be revealed. God cannot be known just through the pursuit of self-examination or through endeavors of philosophical uh, uh, trial or, or journey or pursuit. In other words, we don't know God by knowing ourselves. We know ourselves by knowing God. And so God had to be revealed to humanity, and He revealed Himself in a, a multitude of ways. Of course, He revealed Himself through creation. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. But the primary way, and this is what the Hebrews writer means when he says God has spoken in sundry times, divers manners. You know what that means? God's spoken a bunch of different ways, but He has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. By the, the living Word, the, or we might say by the, the Word in, in, uh, in flesh, and also by the Word that He's given to us that we hold in our hands. So if we want to know who God is, we need to listen for His voice. And by the same token, if we'll listen to His voice, we'll learn something about who God is. One of the things I love about studying through the book of Psalms is to see the way that David uh, unearthed and exposed to us the mind and heart of God. And David, he, he would spend time thinking about what God was doing in his life. In other words, he went from the opposite direction. Here's what most of us do. Most of us, God's doing something in our life, and we go to the Word of God to try to understand something about what He's doing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But David would take the things God was doing in his life and then spend time studying on them to try to learn something about who God was and how God is by examining what God was doing in his life. And so over and over again through the book of Psalms, he would talk about the loving kindness that God had showed him. He would talk about the great power that God had. I'm reminded when David said, once have I heard this, twice hath it been said that power belongs unto God. What was he saying? He was saying it's been said once in the Word of God, but he's saying I've heard it twice. When was the second time he heard it? When he saw God being powerful in his life. He looked at what the voice of God was saying unto him, and he learned who God was through it. 
The voice of God is disclosing. Let me give you one final thing and I'm done. Look at verse 9. The psalmist says, The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. Now, I'll tell you what I believe the psalmist is saying, and then I want to make an application of it. I think he's going back to what he said in verse number 8. And he's saying that the same way that when God speaks and shakes the wilderness, it produces two things. One, it so distresses the wild animals that if they're carrying young, they would go ahead and prematurely give birth to them. And then I think he's also saying this, that when God shakes the wilderness, He blows down the trees that are around so that the forest is exposed. But the thing I want us to notice is this, that when the voice of God speaks, it brings life to pass. His voice makes the the hinds to calve. And it reminds me of this, that the voice of God is a discovering thing. We said earlier that the Word of God is a destructive thing. And I'm thankful because sometimes there's things in my life that need to be destroyed. But listen, the the voice of God, it doesn't just tear down, it also builds up. It doesn't just wipe away, it also brings forth. And it doesn't just bring death to pass in elements of the flesh and carnality and sin and worldliness. And I'm thankful it can do that. But it also is the living Word. And it quickeneth us. And it brings life about in our lives. Hey, you want to know what life's all about? Listen to God when He speaks. You want your life to be a life worth living? Listen to God when He speaks. You feel as though your spiritual walk is dead and dry? Listen to God when He speaks. Because He brings forth life when He speaks. We see this all through the Old Testament and particularly in creation. God created the heavens and the earth. And then what does the Bible say? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. What a miraculous thing it is that you could take soil, that if you, if you took soil and put it in a cup and sat it by itself on this pulpit, it would never move, it would never produce anything, it would just sit there. And if you took a cup of water and set it up here, it would never produce anything. I don't know, it might grow some algae, I don't know. And if you were to take a, a seed and set it on this piece of wood and leave it there, it would never produce anything. But what a miraculous thing that when you combine those things and allow the warmth of God's sun uh, to shine upon it, that all of a sudden life can be produced. How does the earth have that miraculous capability? I'll tell you why. Because when everything was a swirling mass, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep and imparted a life-giving power. Not a spiritual life-giving power, mind you, but a temporal life-giving power to the elements of creation. That same then voice of God, when He took that dirt and formed man of the dust of the ground, what did He do? He breathed into that man the breath of life. What does the Bible say? He became a living soul. So creation had the power to give uh, temporal or we might say organic life, but it couldn't give a soul. But when God breathed into him the breath of life, now all of a sudden he has a soul. What does that tell us? It tells us this, that the voice of God, be it by God speaking, be it by God breathing, be it by the Spirit of God moving, whatever way we want to examine it, has the power to elicit and bring forth life in a dead situation. Now, that's amazing that God can do that. But the thing that we need to understand is the spiritual implications of that. That whatever situation we're facing, we look at and we, I mean, listen, like they probably thought about Lazarus, it's been four days, it's too late. By this time, he stinketh. 
Uh, listen, I, the, you ever felt that way about a situation in life? Hey, it's got so bad it just stinks. Amen? But Christ, when He came into that situation and they rolled the stone back, He simply spoke forth, Lazarus, come forth. And life all of a sudden breathed into Him. Whatever you're facing, the voice of God, uh, expressed through the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the providence of God, has the capacity to take a dead or dying situation and change it for the glory of God. Here's what I want from you. I told you whenever we began the message that I had one singular thought. And here it is. Listen for God's voice. And when God speaks, respond in obedience to God's voice. See, none of these things mean anything if we won't listen. None of these things mean anything if we won't obey. If when God speaks, we buck against Him and we push Him away. The Word of God, you know, by the same token, this book, with all of its life-giving power, if it sits upon this pulpit and no one ever touches it, it won't change a life. It's got to be opened. It's got to be read. It's got to be believed. It's got to be obeyed. And so when God speaks to you, respond in obedience. Say, preacher, I don't know what God wants of me. Well, then just make yourself available for Him. Say, Lord, here I am. If there's something in my life that needs to be corrected, speak to me. Lord, if there's something I need to do, tell me. If there's something I need to quit doing, tell me. But whatever it is, God, here I am. Speak to my heart. Speak to my life. And then stay in His Word. Because that's how He likes to speak. And keep a, keep a sharp eye on the providence of God in your life. Look for what God's doing in your life. And then listen as the Spirit of God applies the Word of God and seeks to direct and guide you. And the voice of God is capable for any situation.